I learned something this week about the way that I prepare for Christmas versus the way that my wife prepares for Christmas. I came in from doing work outside. I think I was futzing with the lights, and I came in, and, and Jamie had put all of the lights on the tree, and, and I looked, and I went, wow. And I sat down, and I, I, I couldn't see a single fly. I, I just marveled at it. I, I, I went, this, this looks perfect. This looks beautiful. Thank you so much for doing it. And she sat down on the couch next to me. She kind of scratched her chin and went, yeah, I could do that differently, that differently, that differently, that differently. I could change that. I could adjust that. I could move that. We had very different ideas of what good preparation looked like. She wanted to be very meticulous. I wanted to be a slob. (laughs) Very, very different ways of preparing. There are a couple different ways that we could prepare for Christ's coming. We could prepare for his way with the meticulousness that is going to be called for in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11, or we could prepare for Christ like a slob. But dear brothers and sisters in Christ, might I tell you today that the more you prepare for the Christ in in the, the uncomfortable and maybe sometimes difficult ways that are talked about in Isaiah and in Mark, the better the Christmas season is when we finally get there. Comfort. Comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So this is the prophet Isaiah shifting gears. He had up to this point in Isaiah had really been dealing with a lot of the issues that were going on in Israel at his time and he was preaching against them. He was saying it is time to turn from them and then he, he proclaimed that disaster was going to come upon them. And then when you get to chapter 40, it skips ahead, skips way past the exile till when the people are brought back. After they've gone through all sorts of trials and tribulations, after they've been, they've been crushed and they're feeling beaten down and hammered, That's when Isaiah says these words, and those words are just beautiful words of comfort. In fact, those are the first two words. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Finally, at long last, after they had dealt with all of these these consequences of their sin, after they've dealt with the, 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 the results of their actions, finally, the Lord says, I am done holding these things against you. Comfort. I want you to think about that as an end to what we're about to talk about today in our reading. As we talk about the way that we prepare, prepare to meet Jesus, we talk about the one word constantly. Repentance. And I'll tell you one thing on, on the onset here, brothers and sisters. Repentance is not always an easy, it's not always a comfortable thing. But here is, is held out hope. That at the end of this, these, these breathtaking, gripping, difficult moments of repentance, comfort, comfort my people. Isaiah continues, he says, A voice of one calling in, of, of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged place is a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
roughly 700 years before our reading from Mark, Isaiah speaks these letters. And this is one of these moments that, that our jaw kind of hits the floor as we see how John the Baptist so, so obviously fulfills the prophecy of the prophet Isaiah right here. And then we look at what John the Baptist's job was at that time. And he had one very simple message. It was repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And I think the way that Isaiah illustrates that years and years and years beforehand is is so cool. When he talks about the valleys being raised up and the mountains and hills made low, the rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. He is talking about taking away every single obstacle that might stand between us and Christ in preparation for his arrival. That's repentance. I don't know about you, but I've already heard my fair share of Christmas songs on the radio for the year. I've heard the the jingle bells and the Santa Claus is coming to town and and not one in any of those festive songs have I heard anything about repentance. It doesn't seem very Christmassy. People don't write a whole lot of jingle bell songs about repentance. It's not very festive. But dear brothers and sisters, it is the key to making the Christmas season yours. We're called to repentance as we await the Savior. And I'll admit, it's not easy. God, you're telling me you want me to take a look at my life and highlight the bad things? I don't really want to do that. No, I would rather kind of have an eh, slobby attitude towards repentance, the the good enough attitude. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners, it's kind of human nature, no big deal, let's move on to Christmas and eat our cookies. But that's not the meticulous repentance to which we have been called by our Lord Jesus. No, Isaiah is calling us to a a repentance that is is going through our lives with a fine-tooth comb. And man, oh man, is it difficult as we look at the sins in our lives and so many of them are rooted in one place. Stubbornness. It's the thing that makes us not want to go through our lives with that fine-tooth comb. It's the thing that makes us want to dig in our heels and stand against God. It's the thing that really makes us want to completely move past this conversation about repentance. We would rather just not talk about it. We would rather just be left alone when it comes to our sin. Stubbornness is one of those sins that it's really tough to get by. So why do we, why do, we do this meticulous work of repentance? If all it's going to do is make you feel bad about yourself, if all it's going to do is, is make you feel about this small and make you size up yourself next to your neighbor's, why on earth would we talk repentance? Why, why would we deal with this? And there's one reason. Because the closer we look at repentance, the closer we look at our lives, the finer the tooth of comb we go through our lives and, and, and look at the sins and, and become grossly aware of, of their existence in our life, the sweeter the manger becomes. 
Because when you understand sin, when we understand the sin that grips us, the sin that, that is inescapable, the sin that we would love to root out of our lives, make the, make the valley level, bring down the mountains, make the rough patches plain, as much as we would like to do every single one of those things and root out every single one of those sins, we are somewhat aware of the fact that that might not happen on this side of heaven. And so repentance is that thing that constantly reminds us you need what the Lord has for you this Christmas. Isaiah continues. He says, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. After this message of comfort, Isaiah kind of backpedals and compares you and I to the Lord of glory, to the eternal word of God. And he says, look, look at you. You're fragile. You're frail. You're fleeting. From our life to our faithfulness to God. I think about that as, as we see in, in the news um, more variants of COVID and, and other type of respiratory and, and diseases are, are, are popping up. And it seems like every, every other week you see something that might be the next pandemic. It, it might take a lot of lives. You see people losing their lives every single day in, in cir- circumstances that just seem too, too terrible to even talk about. And all of a sudden we start to realize just how fleeting our life is. And just how fleeting sometimes our faithfulness is. When, when we look at those circumstances, we go, God, where are you? What are you, what are you doing? And Isaiah takes us and he holds us up next to the word of the Lord. And he says, you might be fleeting. You might be frail and fragile. It might always feel like your life and your faith are hanging on by a thread. But I'll tell you what. The word of the Lord endures forever. That means that the law all of those things that God tells us he would like us to do, that endures forever. Ever. Whether we like it or not, whether, we, whether our, our sinful nature agrees with it or not, the law stands forever. But please, dear brothers and sisters, don't miss the other side of that coin. That means those words of forgiveness endure forever. In Christ, those words of forgiveness endure forever. As Isaiah says, or as God tells Isaiah, comfort Comfort my people. That message is given to every messenger who goes out to the church of believers. That message has no end as God comes to his people in, during the Advent season and says, you know what? Your sins might be entirely before you, but my grace, my mercy, my love, and my compassion, those are unending. And as surely as you know that you are a sinner, I know that you are my child. I was watching uh, college game day yesterday morning. I don't know if you guys knew that there were a couple of football games yesterday. And I had it on, and as I was just glancing at the screen, I saw it, it, it went past one of those big honking signs behind uh, Lee Corso and the gang there. And one of the signs said, Repent, turn to Jesus. And in those moments, your, your mind kind of is, is just a little bit split. You go, oh, that's, that's a lovely message, but... 
I sort of wonder who's holding the sign at the bottom. Is it somebody that, that when anybody would come up to them to have a conversation, would, would spit in their face and, and wave the finger and get angry and yell at them into the ground? Because if that's the case, then you are missing the entirety of what Christ is calling for us calling for when he calls us to repentance. If that's the case, then you are missing what Isaiah is saying when he calls us to repentance. Repentance is an invitation. It is this beautiful invitation into which you are welcome to stand before the eternal God whose word endures forever. And he invites mortal human beings like you and I into a relationship with him that he says will last forever. That is is at the heart of repentance. Not feeling gross about sin for its own sake, but feeling bad about sin to understand the, the depth of the Savior's love for us. Isaiah finishes with, with the, last, the last verses of our section. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Says, say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. <sighs> if only those people just would have repented. Because that's, that's what was waiting for him. Holding him close to their heart, his heart. Tending his flock. His reward and recompense accompanying him. If only those people at Isaiah's time would have repented because then, then they would have understood the grace that their, their faithful Lord wanted to, to lavish on them. I would guess at this point, there are about 9,000 things that have your attention between now and Christmas, right? You have, I don't know, 1,600 relatives coming into town over the next 12 or say four weeks. You're going to have to go to the store probably nine times over the course of 72 hours for one thing at a time because you keep forgetting it. You're going to spend hours on the floor scrubbing, scrubbing your floors, making these preparations for the people that are coming. You are going to prepare in a meticulous way because you are excited for those who are coming to see you. Might I suggest, prepare in a meticulous way for, for the Lord who comes to you. And that might sound like a really broad suggestion, but how about we bring it home a little bit. On one of your nine trips to the store, take a second, turn down the Jingle Bell Rocks, and contemplate your sin. Critique yourself. Understand the way that you behave with other people. Understand the way that you behave with your God. Really, really dig in deep. Go through your life with a fine-toothed comb. Not so that you wind up driving down Richland Ave with tears in your face, crashing your car, or anything like that. But do it so that at the end of all of this, as you find yourself on your knees, not scrubbing your floor, but, but at, at the side of the manger this Christmas, that you understand the entire reason why that baby is right there for you. Why true God became true man for you.
That is at the heart of the Advent season. That is at the heart of repentance. That is the preparation that we have the immense pleasure of doing over these next weeks. Because at the end of it, we know that the words that that Isaiah starts with are, are ours. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her hard, that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. Dear brothers and sisters, that's the message of Advent. Your sin is paid for. Now watch as the Lord begins his journey to do that for you. Amen.